Hello, friends, and welcome to the Mr. Maxwell podcast. So the other day I was having breakfast with a friend of mine, and she mentioned that she was learning about dyslexia. Her son is dyslexic, and she's starting to realize that she might be as well. During the conversation, I realized that I know nothing about dyslexia other than that it affects a person's ability to read. And I have had dyslexic students in my classroom, and I've learned the strategies that I needed to to help and support them. But so far, the only thing I truly know is that dyslexia is not the same for everyone. So I have been seeking to remedy my ignorance and learn more about this form of neurodiversity. And I don't know if this is right or not, but while I use the term, I will use the term disability, I'm going to intentionally try and avoid using the word disorder while talking about dyslexia. And my reason for that is that a lot of these forms of neurodivergence are referred to as a disorder, but often it seems to be that the mind has enhanced strength in one or two areas and it might lead to an imbalance but I don't feel like the brain is disordered. It implies that there's something wrong with the brain. But if you took a Formula One car and tried to go off-roading in it, it would be a disaster. But a Formula One car on its track is an amazing thing. Same thing with you know an off-road vehicle. Off-road, of course, it's gonna do a great job. But if you put that same truck on the Formula One racetrack, the Formula One car is going to beat it every time because it's specialized. And so I feel like it's more that our minds, those of us who are neurodivergent, our minds are just specialized, either a little bit or a lot, because often there are great gifts, if you will, or great skills or abilities of thought that come with it. And I've had several people who are dyslexic tell me that they've noticed that they have enhanced abilities in other areas compared to their peers. Um, and again, I could be completely wrong on that. Um, this is just what I've been told. These are firsthand accounts of people who are dyslexic and the research that I've been conducting, but I could definitely make mistakes. So everything I say, please take with a grain of salt. All right. So first I need to learn what dyslexia actually is. Uh, according to the Mayo Clinic, dyslexia involves difficulty reading due to problems identifying speech sounds and learning how they relate to letters and words, decoding. According to the IDA Dyslexia Handbook, dyslexia is a specific learning disability that is neurological in origin. It is characterized by difficulties with accurate and or fluent word recognition and by poor spelling and decoding abilities. And finally, the Cambridge University identifies dyslexia as a learning difficulty that mainly affects the skills involved in accurate and fluent reading and spelling. So far, according to all of my sources, dyslexia has nothing to do with a person's intelligence or their ability to learn. And while I've only scratched the surface of this topic, I am discovering that there may even be some advantages that come with having a dyslexic brain. So let's talk about dyslexia and brains. The brain is divided into two hemispheres. The left side is associated with analytic thought, language, science, logic, and math while the right side is associated with holistic thought, creativity, intuition, music, and art. Those with dyslexia tend to rely more on the right hemisphere and frontal lobe of their brain. And what this means is that when they read a word, it takes more time for the information to process as it gets delayed in the frontal lobe. 
because of this delay, it can make reading harder than it's supposed to be. This does not mean that they cannot improve in their reading skills. With the right support, they're able to learn to read and grow as leaders, as readers. <clears throat> Sorry. So how do you know if you or someone else is dyslexic? Well, according to the Mayo Clinic, there are ways to identify possible signs of dyslexia. Um, so before school, signs that a young child may be at risk of dyslexia include late talking, learning new words slowly, problems forming words correctly, such as reversing sounds in words or confusing words that sound alike, problems remembering or naming letters, numbers, and colors, or difficulty learning nursery rhymes or playing rhyming games. For school-aged children, signs might be reading well below the expected level for their age, problems processing and understanding what is heard, difficulty finding the right word or forming answers to questions, problems remembering the sequence of things, difficulty seeing and occasionally hearing, similarities and differences in letters and words, avoiding activities that involve reading altogether, or spending an unusually long time completing tasks that involve reading or writing. And then finally, for teens and adults, things like, again, difficulty reading, including reading aloud, slow and labor-intensive reading and writing, problem spelling, the desire to avoid activities that involve reading, mispronouncing names or words or problems retrieving words, spending an unusually long time completing tasks that involve reading or writing, difficulty doing math word problems. Now, not being an expert myself, I think that these are signs that these signs are an indication that you might need to seek professional help or evaluation to determine if these are indications of dyslexia. I say that because some of those symptoms overlap with symptoms of ADHD, autism, and other learning difficulties. So we don't want to assume just because these symptoms exist that that's what it means. So if possible, I always recommend finding an official evaluation. And that being said, it's easier said than done for those who do not have access to healthcare or learning specialists. Not everyone who needs help is able to get the help they need, especially once you're an adult. And mini soapbox moment, but that bothers me. I mean, we're beginning to do better with programs and organizations to help children get the help they need, and there's it, not where it needs to be. Even that's not where it needs to be, but at least it's being discussed. At least it's being worked on. At least people are considering and having the conversations, but somehow we seem to forget that neurodivergent children grow up to become neurodivergent adults. I have no idea how to change this, but I really want to do something about that one day. All right. Sorry for that little uh, aside there. Back to the main topic. So how do we support our dyslexic children or our dyslexic selves? So I'm going to share my favorite strategies from the IDA Dyslexic Handbook. Um, again, I highly recommend that you follow my blog. Um, it's on like Wixspace slash MrMaxwell16.com or something like that. Um, I need to do a better job of linking my other things that I'm doing because on my blog, I have all of my sources for this. Anyway, um, so the first one was, if appropriate, visit your child's classroom. Offer to volunteer because that gives you an opportunity to see how your child functions in an academic environment. For yourself, pay attention to when, where, and how you might struggle when it comes to reading. If you're able to, keep a journal for a couple of weeks to write down how you feel when you're reading or take some short videos. Maybe consider 
starting a TikTok account but making all the videos private if you don't want to share them. Just so you can, instead of writing it down, you could verbally just say, this is what I'm dealing with, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I notice when I'm reading, or doing tasks that involve reading. Definitely be patient on off days for yourself or your child. We all have days where, no matter what we're dealing with, we're just not with it that day. So give yourself the grace and the space to be where you are in that moment. Give yourself permission to have bad days. Another one is read aloud to your child every day. Reading to your children makes a difference. It's important in helping them in their reading journey. For yourself, I recommend if you can afford it, get an Audible subscription or see if your library has audiobooks you can borrow for free. Maybe read along with the narrator um, so you can be hearing the words pronounced properly as you're going through the text. It, it's also a way to give you access to content that you might not be able to get to on your own. Um, definitely support your child's special interests as well as your own and find ways to connect their special interests with reading and same thing for yourself I mean when we're focused on a topic that we enjoy we're much more likely to put up with difficulties because we're getting that dopamine release for being involved in an activity or with a subject matter matter that we like so it's definitely worth thinking about and then I would also recommend for adults who are dyslexic, if you feel comfortable, share your experience. If you're at the point where you're comfortable writing, consider starting a blog. Um, if talking is better, start a podcast or make videos, maybe a YouTube channel, TikTok account, Instagram account, some way to share your story, share what it's like for you, share what you've learned. Because while Conducting research and reading medical journals is all well and good. I feel like I've learned so much more just from talking with adults who are dyslexic and learning from their actual lived experiences. And you may be surprised how many people are out there who are also dealing with what you're dealing with. And you sharing your story might make someone else feel seen and less alone. So... While learning about dyslexia, I wanted to also talk about dyscalculia, 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 ugh, that's a hard word. While dyslexia relates to reading, there is something similar that deals with a person's ability to read and work with numbers, and this is called dyscalculia. According to the Cleveland Clinic, dyscalculia affects a person's ability to understand number-based information in math. They struggle because their brains do not process math-related concepts the same way others do. And just like with dyslexia, dyscalculia is not a matter of intelligence or intellect. While it is more common for someone to be born with dyscalculia, it's also possible for someone to develop what is called acquired dyscalculia, and this can happen at any age. It usually happens because of the onset of a medical condition. It's possible for someone to have both dyslexia and dyscalculia, and to complete a prop math problem like 2 plus 2, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. To complete a math problem like 2 plus 2, there are several steps our brain goes through to solve the problem. It goes through visual processing, short-term memory, language, long-term memory, understanding of quantities and amounts, calculation. And for a neurotypical person, this is a fairly straightforward process. All of these elements of mental processing work together, smoothly and quickly to be able to help them say two plus two is four 
but for someone with dyscalculia, they may struggle with some or all of these steps or the ability to utilize them in the proper order. And the severity of the disability will vary based on the person. As, this, as with dyslexia, getting support is extremely important. Understanding, patience, accommodation, and specialized instruction are necessary to give them the space they need to be where they are and help them find ways to work with where they are. As with all forms of neurodiversity, understanding and acceptance are important. Our world does not do a great job of making space for those who learn and function differently from others. But as we begin to understand and learn more about how the mind functions, I hope that we will move from a world of exclusivity, exclusivity, <laughs> to a world of inclusive, inclusive, <laughs> inclusiveness. I'm sorry, I can't talk today where everyone is given the space to learn, grow, and share their unique gifts with the world. All right, so just a minute when I said I can't talk today, it's not that I can't talk, it's that for me as an autistic adult, sometimes I deal with levels of selective mutism and the more emotional I get, the harder it is for me to articulate words. And so as I was getting in, because this is a topic that I'm very passionate about, there's a lot of emotion there for me. And so it makes it harder for me to speak. And so when I start encountering more complicated words like dyscalculia or inclusivity, I begin to stumble over those words because my brain is trying to process the emotion and the words at the same time. It's a whole thing. Anyway, all right, you get my point. Anyway, so um, I definitely recommend looking up my blog the best way to find it is to go to my instagram or tiktok accounts at mr underscore maxwell 16. there is the link to all the things that i'm doing and one of them is my website where my blog is located and it has links to my sources from the mayo clinic from a site called dyslexia.org the cleveland clinic um, the cambridgeenglish.org and brainbalancecenters.com are all sources that I was using and in finding information about dyslexia. All right, friends, for now, it is time for your next adventure. I'll miss you. Cheers.